This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show, the world's most trusted conspiracy theory podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Olivia Haidar. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? I'm Olivia Haidar. And that makes us your hosts. Olivia, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's going well. You know, you say, and that makes us your host. It reminds me. It's something that's new to this episode. You've never really said it before. Someone on p- the Patreon did comment that I guess that would make the listener the parasites, which is mm. kind of an interesting uh, thing to consider. Sure. And I don't know if that would be the relationship that I would have come up with, but. Yeah. Well, parasocial dynamics. Well, yeah. Going on between us, me and. For sure. you in the audience. I like it. Hot button term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're right. Yeah. So, yes, that makes you our parasites. Thank you. <laughs> That's the nickname for listeners. Every podcast has a listener nickname. Yeah. You know, all the true crime. Ooh, of course. Of course. Crimeos. <laughs> yeah. And ours are the parasites. Parasites. Thanks for listening. You we just mean. Parasites. They- you deserve to win Best Picture, all of you. <laughs> exactly. This is kind of a precursor to next week's episode, which, because time isn't real, we just recorded before this, which is wow, yeah. about the uh, GM streetcar conspiracy. Welcome to Auto Month on Conspiracy yeah. the Show. Like, chronologically, though, I think the other episode is more of a precursor for this one and that it is literally about one of the foundational sins of modern America <laughs> and that led to uh, led to the highway system that would allow for a story like the one we're talking about today. Yeah, what we're ha- talking about today definitely would not exist without what we're talking about next week. But our subject today, we're talking about that classic conspiracy theory podcast subject matter, insurance <laughs> fraud. Yeah. Which... If you think about it, if you've ever looked into the Titanic conspiracy, insurance fraud Mm -hmm. is actually a pretty big conspiracy theory subject because that is at the heart of the Titanic conspiracy, too. But we already talked about that. It feels like insurance fraud usually gets covered under the true crime banner. Yes. And this, you could go either way. This is a crime for sure. Sure. But it's also... This is like the government definition of a conspiracy. Right. This is the textbook definition of a conspiracy. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is an actual conspiracy that was carried out in the city of New Orleans. And man, is it wild. It is. And it's it's an interesting pivot from our usual purview in that it's 
not really an organization or like a a, a government or aliens right. or Jews. It's like just a bunch of normal people and some lawyers. It's the rarest of conspiracy the show episodes in that the police are going to come up a bunch, but never in yeah. a very meaningful or important or critical way. Yeah. They're just there. They're just like supporting. Yeah, it's a functionary role. Characters. We're talking about something called Operation Sideswipe, which is the yes. official name the government gave to this very complex insurance fraud ring that was operating in the city of New Orleans from 2015 until very recently. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about the crimes being committed here. On the one hand, insurance fraud costs us all, Olivia. It, it's true. It does. Not necessarily. I don't think insurance fraud targeting like trucking companies necessarily hurts all of us. But like, <laughs> sure, I get it. Like, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how I feel either because like, yeah, obviously you shouldn't do this, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. It's at least it's not a violent crime, which I right. very much appreciate. Right. But it is dangerous. It's very, like it could easily have resulted in serious injury or death. Right. And I'm sure it did in some cases, not death, sure. but I'm sure there were some legitimate injuries. Well, we'll talk about it. a bunch of people are getting fucking operated on that didn't need it. That's kind of a injury in a roundabout <laughs> sense. So crazy. So it is. It seems like this story. I've, I've searched around so much just looking for stories about this because it's not a thing that's gotten, it doesn't seem like it's made it to the national stage yet. No. But we sometimes do local news roundup episodes of the Unpopular Opinion podcast. And this landed on my radar when I was researching one of those. And as soon as I started reading about it, I was like, no, this deserves its own episode somewhere. Yeah. And it starts at least in terms of a thing the public knew about in 2019 with a report by New Orleans TV reporter, Mike Pearlstein. And it was a story about five people who were indicted on accusations of staging a crash with an 18 wheeler. And this accident in question happened on Chef Mentor highway in New Orleans in 2017. Ever been uh, to Chef Mentor highway? Correct. Uh, you know, no, how about no, New Orleans? I I was trying to think of a joke. No, I haven't ever been to New Orleans. I have not. I've been to Louisiana, but I've never really spent a lot of time there. You know, like it's I've, I've passed through. I've stayed like for a night, but never spent like a ton of time. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever even driven through Louisiana. It's possible, but I don't think so. I've definitely never yeah. visited. I want to. I would like to visit New Orleans. Yeah, me too. Sometime before they shut it down for good. Yeah. I haven't, I've never been like, I've never spent much time in Louisiana, but I did just binge uh, true blood. So I feel like I'm pretty much an expert. Sure. Yeah. On Louisiana culture. <laughs> yeah. I watched LSU win a national championship once. So I get well, it. There you go. You're, I get it. Yeah. You're practically a Cajun, aren't uh -huh. you? I watched Saints win a Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Brees, quarterback, throw that football. <laughs> I can't I can't improvise about sports. I I literally don't know anything. I couldn't even begin. 
Zion Williamson. All right. So <laughs> insurance fraud of the kind that is talked about here isn't that rare. Like a staged no. car accident, those happen usually for insurance reasons or if you're in L.A. it's so someone can steal your watch. But yeah. they happen all the time. A person will like stop in front of you so you run into them or right this is a little more involved in terms of the staging of the accident and it's it's got such scale to it that i feel like you don't get in a lot of other insurance fraud cases right yeah the size of the ring of people involved in this and the number of accidents they stage is mind-boggling i like i would watch a movie uh, about this i think this could be a really good movie it'd be kind of like it'd be like fast and furious and like crash like the david cronenberg crash about the people who have sex in car crashes like it'd be kind of like that (laughs) so what mike perlstein's report pointed out this first very early report about this what made it different was there was a lawyer named in this yes indictment also and that's rare the scheme involved five people in addition to the lawyer. And the ringleader was said to be a New Orleans man named Damien LeBeau. Mm-hmm. He was accused in the indictment of intentionally driving an accomplice's car into an 18-wheeler. That's the first part yeah. of this plot that is very interesting to me because yeah. that seems dangerous. Very. You're not supposed to get up close to those things. And... Yeah, everything you've heard in driving class about what not to do when there's an 18-wheeler in your presence, that's what they were doing to cause these wrecks. They were waiting until that they would kind of just ride in that truck's blind spot and wait for them to change lanes and then just accelerate a little bit so the truck would make contact. And I lived in South Dakota for a lot of years, and... The main feature of South Dakota is that it is oppressively windy because there are no buildings or features or people to block the wind. It just goes unencumbered all across the plains. And so if you're driving on the highway in South Dakota, you get an added risk when you're driving alongside one of these 18 wheelers that even if you're doing the right thing and passing on the left, the wind at any moment could just kind of blow that trailer to the side and that shit will knock you off the fucking road. And that's what the people involved in this are doing intentionally. Yeah. It's really wild. Like not to mention the fact that like, you know, it's pretty common knowledge that when something's moving pretty fast, like it doesn't take a huge impact to spiral out of control and cause a total wreck. And the fact that, that, you know, spoiler alert that, it doesn't seem like that ever really happened yeah. during this entire operation is kind of impressive. Yeah, because you hear about this scheme and you think, well, how hard can that be? Just intentionally driving a car into another car. And it's like, this yeah. is stuntman shit. Yeah, this I was going to say, that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a question for someone to ask. How well, hard could that be? Well, I mean, <laughs> but when you think about how a staged accident normally works, it's normally someone no, totally. like just stopping short and you run into them or something yeah. really simple like this. This is there are, yeah. like there's a reason why in all of these cases, it's only like three or four dudes driving. The, right. the way it works is the person driving, in this case, Damien LeBeau, he accelerates when this truck starts changing lanes and initiates contact, 
One of the brilliant things about using 18 wheelers, they often don't even feel it when they make contact with these cars. So they don't even know an accident has happened. So what are they going to tell the police when the police show up? And so Damien LeBeau caused this crash, but then there's another car following him, which is called the spotter car. Damien LeBeau is the slammer. The slammer is the person who drives the car and causes the crash. The spotter is the car that drives behind. After Damien LeBeau causes his crash, he gets out and gets in that spotter car and drives away from the scene. Meanwhile, the car he was driving had three other passengers in it. And one of them just pretends they were driving. And then at some point, Damien LeBeau returns to the scene and acts as the witness for the people in the car he was driving. And then they all file lawsuits and they make, in some cases, a shit ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. Like in this first case, it's not a ton, but you can see that it's kind of enough to get the juices flowing because, yeah, they eventually make very hefty uh, settlements. Yeah. And in this case, they made $7,500 each, which is still... Not no. bad for about bad 10 minutes work. And one of the, the things that's mentioned in this case is Damien LeBeau was paid that $7,500 before any lawsuits were even filed. And he was paid yeah. that by a lawyer. Yeah. So that was weird. That was a weird detail of this that doesn't normally exist. And so that initial report, which we'll link to all of this, that was an article from WWL TV. That's where Mike Pearlstein works. A better podcast would have reached out and maybe interviewed him, but he wrote down everything he's got to say about yeah. this. Yeah, what is he going to say? Come yeah, on. Exactly. <laughs> and at the end of this first article he, he published about this, or TV report, this is like a transcript of the report, it mentions at the end that right before that indictment was handed down, several other truck accident lawsuits had recently been halted by multiple federal judges due to an ongoing criminal investigation. So this was like the very beginning of this scheme. Right. And then the Danziger Bridge incident happens. About four days after that first crash, another shockingly similar incident happens on the Danziger Bridge in New Orleans. And when I say shockingly similar, it's the exact same thing. Right. Uh, They had a fucking formula. Yeah. It's most of the same people, the same driver, Damien LeBeau. But because of the way the scheme works, no one knew he was the same driver, but he was the witness in both of these crashes. And the difference here, the 18-wheeler they targeted, uh uh-oh, was outfitted with a camera. Yeah. And footage from that camera shows that as this truck is coming to the bottom of this bridge, there's two cars parked in the right-hand lane where cars should not be parked. So the truck naturally switches lanes to go around them. And you see, as it goes around, those two cars start moving in unison. And then there's a separate camera that's attached to a convenience store that catches the car Damien LeBeau is driving accelerating when that truck starts getting back over into the right lane and causing the accident. Right. And... The second vehicle in that, again, acts as like the innocent bystander witness for when police show up. Right. And after that incident, everyone in the car that struck the 18-wheeler filed lawsuits claiming their injuries resulted in more than $100,000 in medical treatments. But 
they didn't realize that video existed. Whoops. And once that was shown to their lawyer, Daniel Patrick Keating, he withdrew from the case and they abandoned their claim. Yeah. And that is the point where people start getting suspicious. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Bummer for uh, bummer for those three people who uh, bought their way onto this. Well, I'm, I'm guessing probably bought their way onto this little joyride. Yeah, that's the thing. We we find out later the people doing this. This was like an investment. This wasn't just like, yeah, let's try to make money. This was a guy going, well, if you give me two thousand dollars, I'll turn this. I'll turn that into like fifty thousand. And they're like, how? And right. He's like, I'm going to drive your car into a semi with you in it. Yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, it, like it almost sounds like a uh, like a ride, you know? Yeah. Like it, it's like a tourist attraction. <laughs> Insurance almost. fraud. The ride. I mean, yeah, like, you know, these people are paying money per person. They get in the car like they have to be there in order to get the settlement. Universal and... Studios Ninth Ward. <laughs> Insurance fraud, the ride. Look, I'd ride it. Hell yeah. I, so yeah. This... Sounds like that Fast and Furious ride. It was fun. And this first highway robbery article is where it's revealed. That's I forgot to mention. That's the name. Mike Perlstein eventually he writes a whole series of reports about this and they're called highway robbery. And we'll link, I'll link yeah. to all of it in the show notes. It's fat. This needs to be compiled somewhere as one thing, because it's right now, this story yeah. is spread out around among like 30 different well, articles. That's what we're doing here, man. This is doing the Lord's work. Damn right. Oh, Hey, hello. Hi. This is Adam, co-host of the podcast you're listening to right now. Just dropping in to let you know that I'll be doing a live episode of the universally adored Unpopular Opinion podcast this month in New York City, August 28th at Caveat NYC, 4 p.m. start time. You'll be home in plenty of time to rest up for work the next day. I'll be joined on the pod by Alex Schmidt, four-time Jeopardy champ and host of the season Secretly incredibly fascinating podcast, Sliceberg Slim, my co-host on an Unpops podcast called Pod 6, and a music producer who makes the theme songs for a bunch of pods on the network, and comedian Khalees Hawkins, a fantastic comic who writes for every television show you watch. Tickets are just $15 in advance or $20 at the door, so get them early. And hey, if you can't make it to New York, you can still watch the show. Live stream tickets are available for just $10. In-person and live stream tickets both are available at unpops.co slash NYC or at the Caveat NYC website, which, fittingly enough, is caveat.nyc. Or just go look at our pinned tweet at unpops. And hey, we'll see you there. Thanks. We love you. Let's get back to the show. So that first article, which is actually the second article about this, but the first in the highway robbery series, that's where it's revealed that the lawyer Damien LeBeau was working with was a guy named Daniel Patrick Keating from a local law firm called Nugent Keating. The Nugent being Ted Nugent. Of course, the Nuge. Yeah. Lawyer Ted Nugent. Also... (laughs) It turns out LeBeau was the witness in this case also. And that's what tips everyone off. This guy is 
just happens to witness two identical car crashes within right. four days, completely independent of the people involved in the crash. Just right place, right, right time. Meanwhile, I've, I have seen like maybe four car crashes in my life. If that, <laughs> like, yeah. I've if seen that. I've seen very little highway or traffic related mayhem in my life. Yeah. I mean, I would say knock on wood, but I don't have a car right now. So, well, there you go. I mean, I could still see it. I could see it when I'm walking somewhere. Of course. In an Uber. And like, look, and I'm not going to say knock on wood because uh, I don't believe in superstition. So, (laughs) yeah, that'll that'll fix it, too. (laughs) So, yeah, this is the point where reporters, especially Mike Perlstein and lawyers alike, start looking into similar cases to see if there were any patterns. One thing they catch right away is that a whole bunch of suspicious accidents all happen along one narrow stretch of Eastern New Orleans. Yeah, this is the part that is like kind of unfortunate about this whole thing. Well, it's the one just absolute stupid decision in an otherwise pretty well thought out scheme. Yeah, that's what makes it stand out so much is like, like it never occurred to you to spread out a little bit. I feel like it's just the one guy. I feel like it's Damien LeBeau. Here's here's right. what I picture happening. Imagine you have to promote something with flyers and you gather up all the neighborhood kids and you're like, look, I'm going to give you each $10 if you hand out this entire stack of flyers. Do not take them to a garbage can and just throw them all away at once. <laughs> Damien LeBeau is the kid who's going to go, yeah, okay, I'm going to hand all uh, this sure, out sure. and immediately chuck that shit in the trash. I feel Should like giving him the idea. I feel like that version of the talk for this criminal enterprise was do not stage all your crashes in the same spot. Okay. Like, literally within like, miles of the same spot the same truck stop like yeah yes man i feel like that has to be what it was because you don't maybe you hear about that part but you only hear about it with the cases that involve damien lebeau and there's other drivers who it seemed like they were mixing their shit up a little bit maybe right but it's just this whole percentage is that's taking place in like this one stretch of highway. This one guy's like, nah, they're not going to catch on. No one will notice. Football. It's on. only millions of dollars in the, <laughs> in like the works here. No one's going to pay attention. So speaking of video, which is what brought this ring down initially is that truck video. We'll link to the body cam video from the cop, which Again, I mentioned up top, this is one of those episodes where the police are going to come up and it just is uncontroversial at all. How often do we get to talk about body cam footage and not be completely fucking irate about it? But yeah, I mean, you see what happens like again, because they're using 18 wheelers, that guy's not even going to feel the impact of the crash. And because they're using two cars. Like that truck driver is going to be like, well, okay, so I saw two cars. There was like two gray SUVs and I went around them. And then while he's saying that, that other SUV comes back and is like, yeah, hey, I saw this. And they run up to the fucking cops and they tell the story. Like, what can the truck driver say? He didn't see anything. He doesn't know anything. And now it seems like this independent witness is on the scene 
to straighten everything out. And that's what's happening in this body cam video. And it's a good scheme. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, I mean, except for the fatal flaw of everything kind of being, you know, linked in these, in these subtle ways, it's a very good scheme. So the next major development happens in September, 2020. And I don't think we ever promised that. Actually, I think we did say no one dies. I should clarify. Oh, yeah. Okay. No one dies in the staged car accidents. Right. But if you want to be a stickler for details, someone was absolutely murdered over this. Yes. At least it's they haven't solved the murder, but it seems like someone was murdered over this. I mean, like, come on. (laughs) What else is it? It, It's so clearly. The guy's name was Cornelius Garrison. And in September 2020, he was indicted as a co-conspirator in an entirely different series of staged crashes. But he was also one of the drivers capable of pulling this off. Right. And the difference with Garrison is that he had allegedly, uh-oh, started working with the FBI. See, this is this is no good. This is no good. Don't do that Mm-mm. if you're in a criminal conspiracy. Or, I mean, like, whatever. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's it? Is it going to help that much? It certainly, in right. this case, did not. But no. by this point, this had become a massive investigation because it turns out All of those active cases that federal judges were mentioned as having shut down at the end of the first highway robbery article, those turned out all to be fraud, pretty much. And the feds realized pretty quick they had a conspiracy on their hands. Get it? Just like the name of the show, living up to the title. That is the name of the show. By this point, 28 people had been charged as part of this ring, and Garrison was a key figure. His name was the first to appear on a list of 77 crashes that the courts had deemed suspicious by this Jeez. point. And also, yeah, he was shot to death four days later inside the mm. New Orleans apartment complex where he lived. And in that span of four days, he told his lawyer frequently that he was in fear of his life. Yeah, that sucks. He, I mean, you know, obviously that's no good. No good. No. And the feds wouldn't confirm to reporters that he was cooperating, but they are pretty confident that he was right. And uh, he probably had a lot to say, seeing as how he was accused in that indictment of staging more than 50 crashes since 2015. That's wild. That is daredevil shit. It is because this is like what 2019 that this is happening. Like yeah, in a four year span doing 50 crashes. That's a lot. That's a whole lot. And his problem wasn't so much that he was doing it all in the same place. I think his downfall was that he kept inserting himself into it a little more than Damien LeBeau. And so the way people get suspicious of him is it's like, why are you in so many fucking car accidents, man? Like what's right. What is happening? Yeah. Cause he would, he would, you know, he would act as the witness, but then he also was like, he also got a settlement in the case too. So I'm I'm on the fence about that first settlement because, yeah, at one right. point he gets a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar settlement for one of these initial crashes. But he also had spinal fusion surgery. Yeah. And what his mom claims is that that 
first accident was legitimate and that he yeah. was legitimately injured. But also what happens is he ends up being represented in that case by a woman named Vanessa Mata, who, for one thing, she was married to a disbarred lawyer named Sean Alfordish, who had spent 28 months in federal prison on fraud charges after admitting he'd rigged the election of the State Horsemen's Association. <laughs> and they mentioned that he got very rich embezzling from the State Horsemen's Association. It's like, how much money well, can they have? Yeah, I was going to say, like, if I got a $650,000 settlement, I don't think I would ever get into a car crash again, personally. I, yeah, I would figure out how to make that work for me the rest of my life. That would be plenty for me. Yeah. <laughs> I know my means. <laughs> Meanwhile, Vanessa Mata, she became an injury attorney after a neck injury ended her Hollywood stunt woman career. And the insurance <laughs> company, right. in her opinion, treated her unfairly. So she enrolled in Loyola Marymount College and got a law degree and went in to this. Here's my thinking. What if it was their idea for Garrison to get involved in this? And she's the sure. one who taught him how to drive in these accidents. I mean, I don't know. I will say like. Because she's a stunt woman. She's a former Hollywood stunt no, woman. She would know how to do absolutely. it. Like. I will say, I think that I have no doubt that the insurance company treated her unfairly. That's like where the it kind of gets a little gray, where it's like, yeah, I mean, look, insurance companies suck ass. And like, that's definitely a huge evil in this country. Yeah. But also, man, man, this would be a good movie. This would be a really good movie. It would be. Like, just have, just with her. And yeah, I can see that being like, there's no, it's not brought up in any of this, but what if that, that's her whole evil villain origin story is this insurance company fucked me over. So I yeah. became a lawyer and now I fuck over insurance companies. Right. Like other fuck over insurance this, companies. Where did this guy learn to drive like this otherwise? Right. No, I will. And also like not only fucking over insurance companies, but she's spe they're specifically targeting trucks, which, you know, have corporate insurance almost yeah. exclusively. So you're not hurting a, individual really uh and it's easy to see how you know if you want to apply a little bit of creative writing to it it's very easy to connect the dots and make it seem like oh yeah like it, it, it see it makes sense how this could spiral out of control like once people start getting a taste of the kind of money that they could make on it right and yeah if he's like if he's patient zero in this if he's the first person who was taught how to do this like, he's, yeah. he's going to have a whole lot to say about it. I mean, mm -hmm. any number of people involved in this probably would have want him dead. But so far, no developments in the investigation into Cornelius Garrison's murder. But by the time he had been killed, Damien LeBeau had already been arrested and charged and convicted. Right. And in court, he shed a little more light on how the fraud scheme worked and his role in it. He initially started working with local law firms as a runner. And those are people who refer actual car crash victims to injury attorneys. That's supposed to be illegal, but it is actually sure. very, very common. I knew a guy when I was growing up in Illinois, I knew a guy who did that for money. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's a living. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised that it happens. Like lawyers need referrals like no. any other business. So he would get $1,000 for passengers in big rigs and 500 for passengers in any other vehicle. 
And it seems like maybe he started staging accidents on his own Mm -hmm. without Danny Keating, the lawyer, knowing about it at first. Right. But it also seems like when Danny Keating found out about it, he was like, oh, fuck yeah. Let's do this. (laughs) Well, yeah, because like LeBeau is probably, you have to imagine, he's staging these car accidents in order to get the referral money. And so it's very easy for Danny Keating to see that and be like, well, I mean, I could pay this guy twice what he's making for referrals to just do this. And then I'll make way more than that on the wins of the cases. Like it's, it's kind of makes sense. Yeah. There is an Apple TV plus documentary called the big con, Mm -hmm. which strikes me as kind of similar to this in that it feels sort of like a victimless crime. But what was happening there, this lawyer, I believe he was in like the Appalachia area, like extreme poverty. He was basically conspiring with a judge to get people's disability claims approved. So they would get disability from the state, whether they actually had any conditions that warranted it or not. And he portrayed it as kind of a Robin Hood thing where it was like, well, there's no other opportunities here for people like, yeah, I'm breaking the law, but I'm breaking the law in the good way. I mean, look, as someone who just got denied and is currently in an appeal process for disability, kind of would like uh, to have someone like that on my side. And I have an attorney working for me and like, I still would love to have someone who's willing to be a little bit of a Robin Hood and help push this thing through because it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, the only problem is once he was found out, all the state did was strip everyone who had ever gone through (sighs) him to get their benefits approved. They had them stripped of those benefits. And here's the thing, because he was so prominent and so public in advertising, people with legitimate disabilities would go to him to get there. And he would still just go through that bullshit fraudulent system to do it. So those people got stripped of their benefits also. Yeah, it ends up being just a fucking tragic and harrowing story. Like that's the thing. Like the true, the villain of that story is the government. Yeah. Not like they like just fucking give people money. That's a separate. Yeah. That's, that's kind (laughs) of how that documentary ends with the government absolutely being the villain in that case. 100%. But yeah, this feels kind of similar where this lawyer is, You know, it's New Orleans is a high poverty area and, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess this is a quick way to make money, but yeah, my God, it's dangerous. If they had, if they had, well, 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 this is something we'll talk about later, but like if they had just put a little bit of extra thought into this, really, I wouldn't have much problem with it. (laughs) It's just kind of some of the blind spots make it become unsavory. Yeah. So It's that Danziger bridge video that brings Damien LeBeau down. And then the dominoes just kind of start falling from there. Daniel Keating was finally indicted for his role in November, 2020. He's the lawyer. By this point, the investigation had expanded to include five indictments and a total of 33 people charged. And even though we've named three so far, this was the first time any of the lawyers in the indictments were officially named. Right. And this is also when, speaking of official names, this is the point where the government kind of takes over and calls this Operation Sideswipe. And the yes. Justice Department starts investigating this in full. And it's a good name. It is. Operation Sideswipe. It's, it's appropriate 
It's that like it's not yeah. confusing. You get why it's called that. Absolutely. And it really just, well done, Louisiana Department of Justice. Yeah. <laughs> How often are we going to say that on this podcast? <laughs> I would imagine never again. <laughs> so I love this part. When Keating and LeBeau, this came out in court when Daniel Keating finally pled guilty. Yeah. They would communicate via text using coded language. Oh, yeah. That made it seem like they were talking about fish. And I actually <laughs> found a very brief transcript of a text exchange. Here goes. This is Damien LeBeau. Do you want some more fish today for lunch, bro? That's two exclamation points. Today <laughs> yes. spelled the number two D-Y. And then four is, and, of course, the number four. Yeah, 2D is... 2D is a fun one. That's a, yeah. that's a fun way to spell that. Also, like, that's a question, and there's only only exclamation points. He's really stoked. And also, he spelled out Y-O-U, but used yeah. the number four for four. Why not just do a U? 2D and four, yeah. There, yeah. Like, why are there any vowels in this? Honestly. What's this guy, made a free time? So then Keating replies, okay, I need to catch my breath after today. Money, not the issue. Processing the catch is the problem. Here's the thing. One of these two knows how to use coded language in a text. Right. And it is not <laughs> Daniel Keating. No. He did yeah, a very- Yeah, it seems like LeBeau maybe has a little bit more experience <laughs> with this sort of thing. Yeah. That is such a clumsy fucking reply. It's also like such a fucking boomer text. <laughs> perfect. Po- that's how I text. Just I mean, perfect, it's how I full text. sentences, I, punctuation. I've had to, I had to train myself to not always use perfect grammar and punctuation in text. Like, because I realized, oh, people find that alienating and off-putting if I, and I'm like, okay, well then I guess I'll learn how to text like a normal person. It is crazy how much thought people put into that. I saw a guy on Facebook years ago it was like just barely a friend of mine but he was texting with someone about a job interview and they wrote back and they said something like okay interview confirmed for 3 30 and they put a period at the end yeah and this fucking psycho texted them back and asked why they put a period at the end and if like he did something wrong and then posted it on facebook as if that was the proper response to that situation it's like Two online. Yes. My God. So yeah, these, I, I wish I could read all of their texts. Yeah, I would love it. We should just do a, a whole bonus episode that's just <laughs> us reenacting their text chain. I do. You're right. I do want to see this movie, though. It needs to happen. It'd be good. Yeah. It would be like a good, like, it would be like a little Coen Brothers-y, yeah. but it would also be like Coen Brothers doing Fast and Furious, but then also like, a little bit of Logan Lucky. Did you ever see Logan yeah, Lucky? Yeah, I liked Logan Lucky a lot. <laughs> Fucking rules. <laughs> so Daniel Keating's role in this scheme, on top of being the lawyer who represented most of the victims, he also referred victims out to various unnecessary medical treatments to boost the eventual payments. Yeah. One participant underwent a completely unneeded neck surgery. In the name of securing a larger insurance payout. And I think that speaks to, like, there's some level of desperation here. Yes. Because you can die having surgery. 
They tell yeah, you that this... at the beginning, especially if you need anesthesia. They're like, you yeah. might die. You might never yeah. wake up. Or at least have life-altering complications. Yeah. Or even if it goes well, like you might you'll have you'll, you'll have to take care of it. Like it's just a nightmare. And that's where really like the moral ground kind they kind of seed the moral ground uh when they start like coercing people into having unnecessary surgeries that's that's some really evil shit right there that's that's not good you shouldn't be doing that now we can make it funny in the movie but like (laughs) in real life yeah when we write the script this will go down smoother so yeah this indictment he's named in it mentions seven defendants who received unnecessary surgery and another 17 who underwent various medical treatments that they did right. not need. And also like, that indictment only covered five of the dozens of staged crashes. But in those cases alone, he and his co-conspirator, cons- he and his co-conspirators netted around $1.5 million. You, you know what they should have done is bring in a few doctors into the scheme and have the doctors, you know, do a rotation of, you know, phony medical write-ups and shit. Like, just keep the whole, like, why why farm any of it outside of your little ecosystem? You've already got the lawyers, you've got the victims all on the same side. Like, uh, some doctors in there. I bet they did. I wonder if it just, because this is still an ongoing investigation. Yeah, so, but I feel like if they did, they wouldn't be faking surgeries. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, in June 2021, Keating becomes the first lawyer to plead guilty in the staged crashes. At that time, he acknowledged that he'd paid LeBeau for 31 staged accidents into tractor trailers and also came out around this time that another New Orleans law firm, the King Firm, and three of their attorneys were also involved. And by that point, the investigation had expanded to include 150 staged crashes all in one little stretch of eastern New Orleans. That again, that's just a mistake. You once you guys get past like a couple dozen, you should start realizing that maybe we you know, we need to expand. Why not like road trip it? Like go see yeah. every major league baseball stadium and when you're in each new town, stage a car accident and file a lawsuit. Well, it would be exponentially more difficult to do it outside of Louisiana because I have to assume that these lawyers are only licensed to practice law in Louisiana, right? True. So I feel like that would make things a little harder, but they could at least go around Louisiana. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's a, it's, it's not a huge state, but there's room. There's more than one fucking highway in it. So yeah. Did you not even try to drive to Baton Rouge? None of at, at least Baton Rouge, maybe take a swing through Lafayette. Yeah. Or, we know the names of towns in New Orleans. Yeah, you know, Louisiana. take a take a take a you know take a job in Bonton. Make sure you watch out for the vampires. <laughs> go to, go to Marrero. I know that's a Marrero. Marrero. That's a place in Louisiana. There was a. Terrible- I thought you were just stringing syllables together. <laughs> No, there was a very terrible rap song by a guy named MC Thick, and he was from cool. Marrero. And I only know that because a friend of mine briefly moved to Louisiana when we were all in high school, and it only lasted a couple months. And he came back, 
and he had this cassette single of the song called Marrero by MC Thick, and it was a very, very bad song, and we made fun of him for bringing it back home. And at one point, we were all just out on the town, driving in the car, listening to music, and my friend Breon just grabbed the tape out of the cassette player and threw it out the fucking window. And <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen happen. That is funny. <laughs> so that's how I know about Marrero. Well, now, now I Sorry, listen to that song, though. Sorry, MC Thick. I'm sure you're a great guy. So anyway. You know, I would not have been able to spell the name of that town without uh, autocorrect. So thank you, Google. Oh, I can because of the song. He spells it. Of course. Yeah, song. of course. Yeah, yeah. So this song sucks. It's bad. So you see why it got <laughs> chucked out the fucking window. Yeah. Cruising down the street it, real slow. What the well, fuck are they it, yelling? Marrero. So after Keating gets indicted. From there, the indictments and guilty pleas just start flowing in left right. and right. One of the most shocking cases, I think, is the case of Anthony Robinson and Audrey Harris. They are a husband and wife team. And at first, it sounds like they're being scammed because this was right. the first of all the articles I read. This was the first one that I read where people were paying to be involved in this. Right. Right. Anthony Robinson and Audrey Harris paid Damien LeBeau $2,000 for the honor of participating in one of these staged crashes with their vehicle. And wild Robinson arranged for his wife along with their daughter, Kashira Robinson and a neighbor, Jerry Schaefer to go for a ride in his vehicle. And at one point during that ride, he pulls over and a slammer named Roderick Hickman jumps behind Mm -hmm. the wheel and almost immediately causes a crash with an 18-wheeler. Then he gets out. He gets picked up from the scene by Damien LeBeau, and Robinson gets back behind the wheel. That's how most of the stage crashes work, so none of that is too shocking. What is shocking is the amount of money this one crash netted. As a result of the various claims, the trucking and insurance company paid out around $4.7 million dollars. To God. settle these claims. That's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot for 2000 down. Yeah, that's that's a huge return on investment. Holy yeah, shit. Not bad at all. Because like, yeah, if if you told me you were going to turn that 200 or that 2000 into like 200,000, I'd be like, yeah, let's try it. Worth the risk. But Look, 4.7 I mean, million. The thing is, like, if it had if it was not coming at a time where. These guys were kind of on the back end of the scheme. If this was like early on, I'd totally be down. Also, it seems like, like I I was saying earlier, it kind of just seems like a good time. Seems like a theme park ride. Like, you know. It does. But that money wasn't as easily earned as it seems. Because that's the thing. You see all these like rich, high profile athletes. And you're like, well, why is LeBron James so much better at basketball than everyone else? It's because he puts in all that work. He puts in all the extra work. He gets in the gym. He goes to practice early. He does all the extra things. And that's what Anthony Robinson and his wife did. (laughs) They did all the extra stuff. And that's why they made money. Because Anthony Robinson and his wife both underwent extensive neck and back, presumably also pussy and crack, surgeries to boost the amount of their respective payouts. So that's why their shit got up to 4.7 million. 
Yeah. They had they shelled out. They they did the work. They put in the extra effort. They fought they had right. the follow through necessary to really capitalize exactly. on this. And then they got hit with five million dollars restitution. So <sighs> all for naught. That's the thing. That's the part you really want to avoid. Getting caught, yes. Yeah, getting <laughs> caught and then paying three hundred grand more than your settlement. <laughs> yeah, this turned out to be a better investment for the trucking company, unfortunately. Yeah. And by that point, the number of people charged in this scheme had climbed to forty-seven. Yeah, this is the thing. I would be doing this like with maybe like five people charged at the time. Like, I don't want to be getting into this when we've got forty-seven people charged. Yeah, <laughs> and. I'm just going to say it. I think we've we've both kind of hinted at it already leading up to this point, but this scheme should still be going on. Like, yeah, just for legal reasons. I don't want our massive legal team getting on my back. So I will say not from a moral standpoint, like sure. insurance fraud costs people money. A lot of those people are poor, like getting a driving without insurance ticket can fucking ruin right. your life if you're in the right situation for it. So sure. For moral reasons, this is a bad thing, and it right. it should stop. But also, and it fucks up like insurance premiums and shit. Yeah, insurance premiums are set based on loss experience of the insurer right. in that state, so it drives insurance rates up. So it's not a victimless crime by any stretch of the imagination. But it also, again, should still be happening. If they were slightly smarter, you yeah. have to imagine it would be because they. All it seems like all they really needed to do was just not do all those crashes in that one same spot. Seems like maybe that would have been a good idea. Like you could even just confine it to Eastern New Orleans, I guess. Like, sure. Then it's just going to kind of be an urban legend that all of these accidents right. are happening happening there. If you like, use a big enough group of people, I guess. Right. But or but just even just spread it out. If you just if they were a little bit more systematic about it, if they came up with some sort of schedule that seemed random enough for, from a cursory inspection so that like, say, you know, today you do it on that one highway and tomorrow you're like on the other side of the state and that's where the next one is. And then you go like north and then you go all the way down towards New Orleans or, you know. You vary the location enough and it's going to be a lot harder for people to figure out what you're doing. Yeah. I think it would have also helped to enlist more witnesses. Like why did yeah. Damien LeBeau have to be the witness so many times? Like just yeah, have I mean, one less person file a lawsuit and have that person be the witness. Right. Switch it up every sure. time. We're just fixing this plan. We should do this. I, I think <laughs> that is my last note is that we should try it. <laughs> and it's not just that all of these crashes happened in eastern new orleans it's not that all of them happen along one stretch of road but for a bunch of them you can pinpoint it to one travel plaza the big easy travel plaza starting around 2015 that place just turns into the bermuda triangle for truck drivers over the course of 13 months at least 20 trucks were involved in staged accidents while traveling through that one area. Crazy. This is a quote from Louisiana Insurance Commissioner Jim Donilon. It's like, how dumb can you be? There's lots of intersections with 18-wheelers available to be targeted without doing it at the same corner over and over again. Fair. And I hope somewhere... I agree. I hope somewhere the next 
young superstar in insurance fraud is reading that and going, yep, yeah. that's where they fucked up. That's that's where they messed up. Yeah, if you're listening, just <laughs> think about it a little bit more. And he also speaks to the fact that there were just a f- very small handful of lawyers involved in this. Right. And he says, uh, because there's not that many lawyers willing to do this kind of stuff. It's really, really <laughs> crazy. Yeah, fair. This guy's making lots of good points. And he's got one more. I've never seen it at this large of a scale with such ignorance in the way they operated in the same vicinity with several of the same participants acting as victims of these crashes. That's that's like, what I'm saying. They just needed a bigger group of people and to move around. And this could still yeah. be happening. Like I, I imagine Jim Donnellan being played by like J.K. Simmons in his burn <laughs> yeah. after reading role. You know, or he's just like, what even is what is going on? Why are you doing this? Yeah, we need this movie. It's got to happen. I would watch it. I would watch it 100%. And somewhere someone is listening to this and they have the connections to make that happen. And they probably already have. And we will see no fame nor fortune I mean, from it. But that's not look, why if we... there's anybody listening to this who has the connections to make that happen, I would also like to direct it. Yeah, <laughs> like, I would like how to... about that? I would like, let me make a movie, please. <laughs> I would enjoy being involved in some capacity. Yeah. <laughs> so just keep us in mind. Yeah, you know, you're a fan of the show. Maybe be a fan of my film career. <laughs> yeah. Don't be an asshole about it if you're a fan of the show. So that's that's kind of where it sits right now. This is still an ongoing thing. Again, the murder yeah. of Cornelius Garrison has not been solved. Like, I'm speculating, but I wouldn't be shocked if that shady husband and wife lawyer team connected to him is maybe yeah. involved in that. But that's just speculation Sounds on like my it. part. I'm not accusing public citizens of murder on this podcast but i mean poor poor cornelius garrison what a tough run he had first he was named cornelius right in the 20th century and then he was killed that's just sad very sad and so yeah we'll link to all of this it's the it's an ongoing story lots of people have gone to prison for it lots of people have been indicted there are dozens and dozens of of links uh you can read all about it and uh, I'm glad I fi- I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time. It was really intimidating looking at all of those links and having to put them in an order that made it so we could tell the story on the podcast. So Yeah, I- there's a lot of background, but fascinating story. Yeah, I hope people enjoyed this episode. I know it's a little different than what we normally do, but yeah. we've been doing this a long time. I can't. <laughs> it's true. Can't just all be adrenochrome. Sorry. No, unfortunately, it's not always adrenochrome. For one thing, I am running low on adrenochrome. So. Whoa. Well, you got a hookup, man. Come on. Let yeah, me know. I'm in L.A. We all got adrenochrome hookups out here. Come on. It's the main reason I wouldn't move back to the Midwest. No adrenochrome. <laughs> no, it's almost impossible. I, I found like a, li- a vial on the street the other day. And that's like all I've been able to find. Yeah, it's a real it's a coastal elite drug just like powder cocaine you know truly is (laughs) so uh do we have anything to plug before we get out of here i don't think so Uh, i mean you know going back our wasp rewatch pod yeah give that a listen you can follow me on twitter and instagram at adam todd brown it's todd with one d i'll have some stuff to announce soon (laughs) and uh i think that's it right 
Hell yeah. Let's get yeah. out of here. Olivia, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. People of Earth, your planet is about to be destroyed.